feel, field, fill, filled, films, for, fail, fell, fells, go, goals, fold, foals, foe, foe, foo, who, sound, sound. Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Tatum. And I'm Geneva. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us, to tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking, as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. We are back for another week. I keep trying to come up with other ways to start episodes, <laughs> but I don't know how to do that. So I just say I mean, the there's, same there's thing only so week. many ways you can say the same thing. Yeah, we're back for another week. Um, I apologize. Here we are again. Here we Hello, everyone. Well, well, well. Fancy seeing you here, too. <laughs> um, I apologize for my voice and how it might sound. I'm getting over a cold, so I'm a bit congested, uh, but hopefully it won't be too annoying um but yeah why don't why don't you get us started off Geneva and tell us what you've been watching this week yeah absolutely so um I saw a couple recent movies in theaters I don't know how much we want to um go over kind of the more recent stuff but I did see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny oh that's right I forgot you saw that Mm -hmm. yeah and I saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one So Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, um, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the main discussion with that movie at this point is, is it better than the Crystal Skull? I feel like that's the way that everyone's measuring it. Right now I have the two of them rated the same, kind of three stars right in the middle. There's some good stuff about it that I enjoyed. It's not super memorable, I would say. Um, There's a really fun opening sequence, which is just de-aged Harrison Ford and Toby Jones on an adventure during World War II, um, get doing some getting up to sh- some shenanigans and fighting some Nazis, which is, you know, it's a good time, even if the, the de-aging at times can be a little <laughs> bit noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very funny to hear, you know, clearly 70 plus year old Harrison Ford's voice coming out of de-aged Harrison Ford's Yeah, mouth. I've heard a lot of people complaining that, not necessarily complaining, but stating that it's pretty obvious that his voice Mm -hmm. sounds a lot older than than the look yeah yeah um yeah the adventure I would say a lot of it is um it's definitely less kind of silly and weird than Crystal Skull in certain ways and I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge a lot more than I like Shia LaBeouf in that movie um I do think the writing for her character doesn't always do her a lot of favors um, cause she has a lot of sort of, you know, she does her flea bag thing, which she's very good at, but the, the climax of the film really relies on them having built, having this sort of pre-existing personal relationship that has developed over the course of the film. And a lot of the film is kind of calling back in certain theme, themes and, and character beats to Last Crusade, where it is that kind of reconnecting with your parental figure. And I just don't think the writing did enough to establish that for that 
climax to feel earned. So, um, yeah, it was fine. It was a, it was an enjoyable time. I don't think it's a terrible end to the franchise, but I, I doubt I'll be rewatching it um, as often as I rewatch Raiders of the Last Ark or Last Crusade. Um, Dead Reckoning Part 1, I don't want to talk about this too much, but I had a really great time with it. Uh, I'm not going to... I, I probably rated it a little higher than it deserves. I might <laughs> bump my rating down half a star, but I mean, I saw it in an IMAX theater. The audience was not super full, but it was pretty responsive, and it was just such an enjoyable ride. Um, I love hanging out with these characters. I love going on their crazy adventures. Haley Atwell joined the cast, and I, I have just had a huge girl crush on Haley Atwell for years, and I so I love seeing her on screens. Um, the action i think is a little bit more low-key than some of the other movies have been i feel like part two is probably going to go more balls to the wall um but i i i yeah i really liked it i thought the uh i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that ai is involved in the plot and ai is something that kind of terrifies me and so to have it be used as this um sort of villain stand-in i thought was pretty pretty relevant and pretty well done and um, I like seeing characters and plot points brought back from from the very first Mission Impossible movie. I mean, Henry Zerny, I think his name is how he's pronounced the character, the guy who plays Kittredge, his character is brought back um, and he is he's great. I really enjoy seeing him face off with Tom Cruise. So, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed Dead uh, Dead Reckoning. It also it's a long movie, but to me, it flew by like. I was very impressed with how well it was paced. There was no point that I was checking my watch or thinking like, oh, no, now we have to sit through yet another action sequence. I was kind of shocked when it wrapped up because it felt like it should have gone on longer. So, yeah, I had a really great time with that. Um, and then just some um, previous movie, like, you know, not non-recent releases that I watched recently. I finally caught up with Cocaine Bear <laughs> from earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that movie mm. <laughs> for a movie called Cocaine Bear with an insane cast that includes Such a just great some cast. absolutely fantastic yes. actors who all need to be on the A-list. It's pretty boring. Um this is now the third movie I've seen directed by Elizabeth Banks, and I'm sorry. She's not I love a her as an actress. She's a bad are, director. Yeah, her movies yeah. are not not very she's, good. Yeah, she, uh, it's just it's not very. She's very good at picking. She's very good at getting great mm. casts. That's what I'll say. It's true. <laughs> it is true. Yes, yes. Which I, I don't mean, know I, if that's her or the casting director or <laughs> I don't know, but she always I gets don't know. great casts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously she's a great actress and comedian in her own right. But yeah, as a as a director, uh, I just was not impressed. I was surprisingly bored through it. Mm. Um, there's a lot of sort of very thinly drawn characters and plots that are very cliched and you just don't really care about. And then there'll be like two minutes of bear-induced mayhem, which is kind <laughs> of fun, and then that goes away. So. Yeah, that's really all I have to say <laughs> about that. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Um, and then finally, I caught a re-release of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, for the 20th anniversary um, uh, of its original release in theaters. I'd never seen it in theaters before. And I think that movie's a masterpiece. I love it so much. Um, five out of five. It's perfect in every way. <laughs> 
And I can't wait for the two of us to do an episode on it because I know it's going to be inevitable. Yeah, I I mean... So many thoughts. That movie is very important to both of us, but I think in different Mm -hmm. ways, maybe. Um, Yeah, I'll be very excited to hear like what your relationship with that movie is. Yeah, I... I love that movie, and I was a huge fan of that franchise before it took a very, very deep dive. Very uh, sudden and sharp dive off the cliff. Yeah. Actually, um, it would be fun, too, to discuss where we think that franchise went wrong, because mm. I also suspect that we probably have different thoughts on that. We definitely do, because my thoughts on that differ from pretty much anyone I've ever talked to about. Interesting. <laughs> Everyone's like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, this movie is actually not that bad. Um, but yeah, I, I look forward to discussing Pirates of the Caribbean on this podcast. Um, yeah. Anything else? Um, just that I rewatched the personal history of David Copperfield, which mm. came out a few years ago. Um, it's a really fun movie. I would definitely recommend that for anyone who enjoys comedies enjoys charles dickens enjoys um seeing dev patel on screen in period clothing um (laughs) yeah great movie (laughs) yeah i i remember trying that movie a few years ago i don't know if i was Mm. just in like a bad mental space or what but i couldn't get through it i was just bored um Mm. but i think it was when i was going through difficult times in spain so maybe i just yeah that will happen i will say too uh re-watching it did emphasize to me i think the first half is definitely stronger than the second Mm. half the first half is um the the pacing is faster it's much more of the the comedy and kind of zany going from um moment to moment and it's a little bit lighter the second half is kind of where then all the more dramatic elements start to come to bear and things are kind of bouncing back and forth and the timeline is a little bit confused and the pacing is kind of weird. And so I think it does drag a little bit in the second half, um, but I, I I still enjoy it overall. It, I mean, it, it's hard to condense a, you know, 400-page <laughs> novel to a single movie with that many characters and moving pieces. So, Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you liked it though. I I know a lot of people really enjoyed it. I just couldn't. It, it wasn't my thing. At least not at the time. Maybe if I were to try it again. But I'm not like racing to necessarily watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't know where you are on. I think his name is Iannucci and and Tony Iannucci. Where his? I thought you were what? gonna say I don't know where you stand on Dev Patel. I was like, um, oh. <laughs> do you not know? Like, <laughs> is there anyone against? Uh, no, Iannucci. I, is I'm forgetting his his first name and I hope I'm pronouncing his, his last name correctly but um he also did a movie called The Death of Stalin which I think is a brilliant mm-hmm. movie um and so he's just you know he he does a lot of comedies but comedies with with the sort of pointed edge uh kind of a dark underbelly and I think he's brilliant everything I've seen I mean I've only seen a few things by him but I've really enjoyed everything that I've seen by him um but I can also see it being a, a comic sensibility that works for some people better than others yeah i also wasn't the biggest fan of death of stalin either um not that i thought that it was bad i was just like i don't get this (laughs) this isn't for me (laughs) um but sometimes that happens like people praise movies and i'm like objectively i can tell that this is good but this this just is not connecting with me um but yeah so for me what i've been watching this week i I've kind of been in a headspace where I just want to, I don't know, I feel like for a really long time in my life, I was like, I want to watch movies that are depressing and make me upset and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I do still love those movies. And I do think that is still kind of the the natural 
place that I gravitate towards when watching things. But currently, my life is super stressful. And so I've just been like, let's watch something that's more not necessarily lighthearted, but not like super intense, you know. And I was flying on an airplane this week and I saw this movie on the list and I was like, oh my gosh, A, I think this is a perfect airplane movie because it's short enough. It's like not weird to have other people on a plane seeing what you're watching, you know, whatever. And I also have been wanting to see it since it came out earlier this year. So I saw the movie, um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which I think is based off of a book. Um, Yes, a Judy Bloom book. Yes, I... I initially rated this movie four stars on Letterboxd, and I think I might raise it to four and a half because this mm. movie I really, really enjoyed. Um, I Geneva, as you know, I'm not necessarily the hugest fan of Rachel McAdams. Um, Which I think still think you're crazy about, but go um, on. I love her in this movie, though. I think she gives a really fantastic performance. She's a wonderful mom. Uh, I'm like, just just play a mom for the, you know, like this works for you. Uh, or and by works for you. I mean, it works for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really great movie. It, it, it communicated themes that I was not expecting. I thought it was mostly going to be a movie about, you know, being a girl who's a teenager and being uncomfortable with your body and puberty and all of those things. And that was there, but it wasn't, it wasn't really necessarily like the main plot point. The main plot point was in my opinion, based off of my interpretation, the main plot point was really parents giving their child, Margaret, the freedom to decide her own religion and her own worldview. Because her father is Jewish, her mom is Christian, not really. Her parents are Christian. And it kind of talks about how, you know, her her mom is is not Christian anymore because of how her parents behaved and how that interacts with Judaism and both of her parents telling her, like, we're not going to push a religion on you we're going to let you know that religions exist and it's up to you to figure it out, you know, and figure it out in your own time. And it's really, really fascinating seeing a, you know, what, 11, 11 year old navigating the world and puberty without having some sort of instilled religious belief. Cause that is not at all my experience. Um, I had an instilled religious belief from birth, um, And just thinking about like, if I were to have kids, how would I want to raise them and parent them or whatever? And this movie just poses really interesting ideas about being this age and figuring out if God is real. Do you believe in God? How do you communicate with God? What does that look like in terms of how you live it out and what beliefs you ascribe to and blah, blah, blah. So I found that to be a very surprising aspect to the film that I did not anticipate at all, but it was really well done. Um, the reason why I'm not like this movie's perfect because few movies are honestly, but like there were some things where I was like, okay, we're introducing relationships with parents, but kind of like, I feel like it's there just to kind of get the character somewhere else, but it's not really, you know, dived into as much as it could be. And, you know, it feels a little bit cliche or whatever. I wish that there was more of Rachel McAdams as a mom. I feel like there were a lot of things hinted at with her. Not that it needed to be explicitly stated, but there were certain things where I was like, I wish this was fleshed out a little bit more. Um, So yeah, I would highly recommend this movie to people of all ages, honestly, to kids, to adults. It's really well made. Um, It's very wholesome, but also very real. And I think it's a movie that I would watch again. I I really enjoyed it. Um, So that's Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. So highly recommend. Yeah, that's awesome. I 
I, I've been wanting to see it because I, it had gotten such good reviews, and I'm I'm a huge Rachel McAdams fan, so uh, I know she'd been getting great reviews for her performance. Um, but yeah, that makes me even more interested to watch it. it. It sounds like it it really kind of explores avenues and goes a little bit deeper than a lot of other movies of the same genre. In my opinion, yes, I I, I think I think it was a success and very well done. Um, yeah, and then another movie I watched, which it's been on my list for a long time. It's called The Skeleton Twins, um, starring Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. Um, it's a movie, like I said, I've been wanting to see for a long time. It has two actors that I really like and, you know, classic indie vibes, which Tatum goes for every time. Um, this movie underwhelmed me. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't bad. There were moments that I thought were really profound and themes that I really liked about the concept of like trauma being passed down from your parents and mental illness and anxiety and depression and how that could be genetic and you know nature versus nurture types of things and and how dealing with trauma manifests itself in different ways um this isn't a spoiler because it literally happens like in the opening scenes of the movie but Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig's characters they both um are attempting suicide in like the first scenes of the film and the rest of the movie is kind of a it, it it reveals more and more about their own traumatic experiences and how they deal with it in different ways and how it's led them to different places but like they've come back together and how they're the only ones who understand each other um so I mean the themes are good there are certain moments that I enjoyed but overall it did it did feel kind of unoriginal in certain ways and certain moments were not the most supremely acted. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I struggle with Bill Hader playing in, in serious roles. I know that he's gotten a lot of acclaim for Barry. Um, I, he's kind of like Jack Black to me. I'm like you in a serious role, even if you are performing well, I just can't see it because you are just affiliated with all of these other things in my mind. Um, but yeah, it, it was fine. It was fine. I probably won't watch it again. I watched it all the way through, but I was also like, this isn't as good as I was anticipating, but that's fine. Um, yeah. And then last thing, uh, real quick, I won't go super in depth on this because Geneva already kind of did. Um, I also saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one. Um, I, <clears throat> I enjoyed it, but it is not my favorite in the franchise. Uh, I think I mentioned on our uh, Fallout episode of Mission Impossible that this is my favorite movie franchise. Uh, I do not include the Lord of the Rings in the franchise category. So <laughs> this is my favorite movie franchise. I love these films. Um, I have so much fun with them every single time. So I did have fun with this movie. In my opinion, Mission Impossible rarely ever goes wrong other than one of the films like they're always a great time they're always well made Tom Cruise is just a superstar like he he carries me away like he's just so captivating and he's he's nuts but man I love that guy um Simon Pegg I think in particular is really great in this film um I enjoyed yeah, the movie. I always love Simon Pegg in these movies yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie. I don't regret watching it. It didn't drag for me in the theater either. I think, it, you know, it is a long runtime. It didn't feel long, long to me. 
But at the same time, oh, I also love the villains in this movie. I will say villains yes. plural because I loved the concept of the AI, but I also love the concept of the AI having like a, a follower who's like leading this movement. Um, I, I loved that concept. I also am terrified of AI and I don't understand why other people aren't on board with that idea. Um, so I thought that that threat was really interesting, uh, and more interesting than like a rabbit's foot, for example. Um, but yeah, overall there were just certain things where I was like, there's so much exposition in this movie of people just sitting at a room and being like, so this is how this works and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you are like really, really being like, okay, step one, this step two, this and one plus one equals two. I'm like, okay. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Like, please stop. Um, <laughs> and lastly, I think Geneva kind of touched on this a little bit. I'll just like read my very brief letterbox review, but this is genuinely like, you know, these movies are great. I do think that uh, the I never go to go to see these movies because I love the story. I go to see them because I love the action. And like you said, I love hanging out with this cast and with these actors. And when the action isn't fully there, it becomes a little bit less enjoyable for me just because like I want action. Like that's why I'm here. And um, so my letterbox review for this is what does it say about me that I came out of this movie wishing that 61 year old Tom Cruise had chosen stunts that put his life more at risk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like in this movie, the main stunt that they did is obviously like him flying off of a cliff, which is insane. But because mm-hmm. flying off of a cliff is so brief, I feel like it was such a, such a short moment whereas like in the last scene in the last movie we have him like climbing up this thing underneath a helicopter for like five minutes and like you know him flying helicopters for a really long time and car chases that are lasting a really long time and this was something where it's like the car chase was funny but I didn't feel the action because it wasn't I don't know oh see I see I disagree with that the car chase for me was the highlight of the movie I I had such a good time with that car I, chase. I thought and it a lot was of it funny. was and it was a lot funny. of it was because I mean it's not necessarily the kinds of insane oh my gosh they really did that stunts that you see in a lot of the other Mission Impossible movies so you know it, it's not as technically impressive in that sense but I think they did a really good job of integrating all of these little character beats and moments within the scene so for me in you know i was in this imax theater and we were like the seats were literally vibrating every time some loud noise happened and you could hear the people around i could hear the people around me gasp or get silent or start laughing at at different moments and so it was just for me that scene in particular was the highlight of the movie because it was just we were so in collectively invested in everything that was happening Yeah, I mean, I I was invested for sure. I'm just saying, like, in my opinion, in terms of the action, I'm like, I'm feeling the comedy. I'm feeling the acting. I'm feeling the beats. I'm feeling all of these things. But I want higher stakes. I want to see Tom Cruise risking his life. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, what does that say about me that I'm wanting him to risk his life more? Like, I've seen car chases. I've seen, like, he set himself up for this kind of reaction. (laughs) Like, you need to be literally almost dying. Like, why is why is this not happening more? Tom Cruise Um, is no one to blame but for him, but himself for people having that reaction. Yeah, I'm like, how much of a risk is it if you of you flying off of a cliff if you have a parachute? Like, I don't. I don't see the risk here. <laughs> um, but anyway, 
anyway wow we talked about it. i'll probably cut some of this out this is really long um i don't know this is great <laughs> but anyway i i had a fun time with it uh maybe i'll up it to four stars instead of three and a half i'm not sure i might sit with it for a little bit but just thinking about comparing it to the other films in this franchise that i love this one just doesn't reach those same heights for me um so yeah Anyway, let's let let's move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. So yeah, it would be really funny if we both ended up with four star ratings for Mission Impossible, I know, right? but with very different like feelings around them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. Okay. So today on the show we are discussing Jonathan Glazer's 2014 feature film Under the Skin, adapted loosely from Mish. Michelle Faber's novel of the same name, the film tells the story of a nameless otherworldly being who is created for one purpose, preying on men. But as the creature becomes more self-aware, it begins to question whether another life could be possible. That's my own interpretation of the plot summary. People could have their own other interpretations because this movie is, a lot of it is open to interpretation. Um, But this is only the seventh film to be released by the now household name independent production company A24. But at the time, the company was still relatively unknown to the masses. So that almost undoubtedly contributed to this film being a box office failure. Um, Made on a budget of $13 million, the film only managed to gross $7 million. Despite this, the film did manage to receive critical acclaim, even though it might not have been seen in the form of awards. Many critics named Under the Skin as their number one film of the year, and eventually the film was added to BBC's 100 Greatest Films of the 21st Century. Um, And then an interesting thing that I wanted to just like state, but I was tired and didn't want to rewrite it and paraphrase it in order to like not, (laughs) not, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Geneva? A plagiarize. plagiarize. Is, uh, yeah. So here's a quote straight from Wikipedia that also (laughs) has. I mean, as long as you cite your sources. Yeah. Go to Wikipedia, check it out because in Wikipedia, they also are sourcing other sources that you can go check out. So this is not written by me. This is written by people at Wikipedia that have copied things from other articles written by other people. Okay, are we safe and protected now? Cool. Um, <laughs> so the quote says, um, so Jonathan Glazer and uh, his his co-writer, they conceived an elaborate high-budget film and produced a script about two aliens disguised as husband and wife farmers. Brad Pitt was cast as the husband, but progress was slow. Glazer eventually decided to make a film that represented an alien perspective of the human world and focused only on the female character. He and Campbell deleted every scene in their script that did not involve her and deleted the elaborate special effects sequences. Interesting. I thought that was really interesting because for for me, as someone who's like written a lot of scripts, this is something that I've done many times. I've either written an entire script and recognized this is way too high of a budget. I need to cut it down to the bare bones and, and reimagine it. Or I've had ideas of things that I want to write. And I'm like, um, is there a way that I could write this in a way that's actually like doable? Um, so I just thought that that was interesting how they started with really this huge idea with like, I suppose people could argue this, but I think Brad Pitt is considered a, a, a bigger name actor than Scarlett Johansson. I don't know. Um, but have him initially yeah, signed not, on and maybe then... not now, but probably at the time. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Can I ask? Um, and if you don't know, this is you funny. can ask. I can't, can't answer. <laughs> How does that interact with the fact that this is an adaptation of a book? Like, did they they mm-hmm. had this idea 
and then they changed it and then they later found the book and decided to adopt that instead no no so so it so the book came out in 2000 um and this movie came out in 2014 so they initially wanted to adapt the book and so they took that idea i don't know if the two farmers concept that they had comes directly from the book but Basically, whatever result we have with the film that we're seeing is drastically different from what the original content of the book is. Like it's all the research that I did says that this is extremely loosely based on the source material. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, what we see in this film is not not really what the book is about, as far as I can tell. Um, But yeah, so. That being said, let's jump into the the story a little bit. Uh, Geneva. My my gut is telling me that you did not like this movie and my heart is breaking. Um, so please tell me your thoughts on this movie. That is incorrect. I really <gasps> like this movie. Ooh, okay, good. Yeah. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on kind of your personal connection to this movie because I will say I do find this movie, and this is like, this is not at all a criticism of it because it's very much the style in which it's conceived and framed, but it is this very sort of cold, disconnected style that makes it kind of hard to, hard for me to kind of really connect emotionally minus a few moments. Um, but I, I think this movie is fascinating. I'm so glad to have finally have had a chance to see it. I've wanted to see it since 20, what is it? 2013, 2014, when it was first, um, announced because I'm a huge fan of Scarlett Johansson. I think she's a really talented actress. Um, and I was excited to see her um, doing a role like this. But I, I, for whatever reason, I just never got around to it until now. Um, but yeah, it's it's so, I don't know, it, the images in this movie, I love the creativity of the way that they represent you know, it's, it's very much a sci-fi premise and yet there's almost nothing on screen that would really make you see this as a sci-fi movie apart from the actual dynamics of what's going on you know at the very end we kind of see a little bit more but it's very restrained um i love 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 the visual of the way that they represent how the men are taken and killed and apparently maybe stored and harvested for their meat question mark question mark i guess we can talk about (laughs) what we think is going on the movie very much um wants to keep it vague but it's such a beautiful really yeah really creative way of representing something in a a low budget way that is just really sticks in your mind um i think this movie has a lot to really provokes a lot of thought certainly on the you know, kind of the the relationship between men and women, the idea of being a, a vulnerable woman in the world and turning the tables on the men around you, that question of what it means to be human and who you see as human and who you do not. Um, so, yeah, I'm like, I feel like I often say this about the movies that I'm seeing for the first <laughs> for the first time that Tatum has picked. I'm still processing it very much. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it more. I definitely, <laughs> I, um, because of certain things that were, were happening um, in my life, I watched the first half last night and then I woke up early this morning to see the second half. And so it was very oh, weird going around the rest of my morning with all of those images in my mind. Wait, what's what's the point at which you stopped? Um, I believe it was right before 
she picked up the um the the man with the deformed face. So okay. it was around the halfway mark. Gotcha. Um but yeah, I I really did like this movie. I'm um like I said, there is something about the way that it's made kind of keeps you out of remove. Um but I think it's really, really well made and very, very thought provoking. Good. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm very glad that you. <laughs> I mean, I. It, this was going to be a really rough discussion for me if you didn't. If you didn't like it. Um. Yeah. I. I was completely shocked by this movie the first time that I saw it. I saw it for the first time, probably about five four or five years ago, something like that. Um, and this movie captivated me when we, when we first came up with the idea of this podcast and, and we were coming up with the the concepts and we were like, okay, you know, we want to choose movies that really, really impacted us and stuck with us and whatever. And, and we've kind of broadened that definition a little bit as we've continued to make our lists. But this was one of the first ones that was on my list because my memory of watching this for the first time is so just ingrained in my memory. Um, I was sitting on my bed in my room watching this on my TV and I, I, I literally think like my jaw was dropped because the entire opening sequence of this movie is one of the most interesting, automatically gripping, stunning, beautiful, original openings to a movie I've ever seen in my life. And I was hooked from the very, I was literally like, what is this? I I have never seen anything like this. I don't understand what's going on, but in the best way, who are these people what is this room like the 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 sound mixing the sound editing the the costumes the it's just it, the opening to this movie is fantastic and so that in and of itself carries throughout the rest of the film and then you have all of these other moments that just are shocking they're like horrifying but beautiful at the same time you know we're seeing this and, and the way that things are revealed slowly over time of like first we just see you know I mean, I don't remember the specific breakdown breakdowns, but it's like first we just see her lure a man into the room. Then the next time we see a man going under the the liquid, then the next time we see what's happening under the liquid, then the, it's just like, and then the next time we see you can take someone out of like, it's just, it keeps building and building and building upon itself and introducing more ideas into this world and this concept while also not telling you anything about what's going on. But in my opinion, the fact that it's doing that but also not frustrating me at the same time is really, really amazing. It's like, I have no idea what's happening and you keep making this more complex and more confusing and I'm not getting any answers, but it's fine. Like, I'm glad you're not giving me any answers. Um, I also, I'm not the biggest fan of Scarlett Johansson. Um, I think she is a wonderful actress in certain roles, but then other things I'm like, I, I don't this, I don't like this. Um, but this movie out of all the ones I've seen, I think this is her best performance, um, that she's given in my opinion. I think it's incredible how she's able to put on this incredibly charming face while looking at men. And then when they're not paying attention to her anymore, it's like this instant dead, unemotional. It's not, 
I don't even know how to describe it because it's just like there's nothing there's nothing there like she does not look human like it's just it's just wild to me um and I think I was really interested going into this a second time because I was like I wonder if it's gonna be a shocking because now I know what's gonna happen I actually enjoyed it more the second time around because I think the first time it was so much of just like the shock value and the wonder and the awe and the vibes. Whereas this time around, like the first time I watched it, I came out of this movie and I was like, I have no idea what I just watched, but that's okay. Whereas this time I watched it and I was like, I actually think I have an understanding and an interpretation of like what this movie is about. It could be wrong and that's fine, but I actually feel like I understand some of it as opposed to just an experience and not understanding anything. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely love this film. I think it's perfect. There's nothing I would change about it. Um, the acting is great. The visuals are great. The sound is great. The costumes are great. The way that the story is told and slowly unravels and gives you just enough, but not too much, but not less than what you need. It's just, it's amazing. Um, this is, I mean, I love A24. Uh, I think that A24, not that it's, not necessarily as good now, but I think with its horror films, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, I, I'm not going to go into all that, but like this, this is just the early days of a 24 are really, really, really great. Um, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we have much more as a 24 has kind of evolved itself into being a brand in itself. Um, there can be a, a certain level of not sameness in the sense that like the movies are all bad and they all have the same template, but you know, there's definitely A24 themes. There's kind of the stereotype that's been created of the A24 horror film that's actually about trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, it can be er- interesting to go back to the earlier films before that sort of template has been established and, um, just see that they're, you know, when they're operating from not having that context and kind of having a wider um, frame of reference for the things that they can do in their movies. Yeah, it's kind of like now whenever you watch A24 films, especially their horror ones, it's like you have an idea of what you're getting into. Whereas Mm -hmm. with this one, it's like, this is totally from out of nowhere <laughs> like in my opinion this feels totally original like this isn't based off of anything I mean obviously it's based off of a book but like this feels like it exists in and of itself and it's not not that it's not drawing from other things I think there's like you know we could see some 2001 in here you know certain things um but it does feel almost entirely original for me which is exciting and oh gosh yeah I I, I love this film so I gosh. Okay. Let me, let me look at my notes in order to get like a better idea of <laughs> where, where yeah, we can start. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, this is, can we this just... is a movie that the, the plot is, there is definitely a progression because the, the main character, the nameless protagonist is going through a journey um, of, as you said, self-discovery, but at the same time, it is sort of episodic in the sense that we are seeing a series of these sort of seductions and then slightly different circumstances each time and seeing how she responds to it. So I don't know if you want to go kind of more plot chronologically or more thematically or kind of maybe jump back and forth between the two. I think I'm going to just like 
go through my notes because my notes are pretty chronological and then as themes come up with the notes we can talk about those themes because so many of these things are like tied to themes but Mm -hmm. first of all I want to talk to you about the opening sequence because I'm wondering if it impacted you as much as I did because I like I said I'm pretty sure the first time like my mouth was just agape I I was like what is this and I wrote down because again like it impacted me just as much the second time around and I and I wrote down like almost a play-by-play of what we see happening like the first thing I wrote was one of the best openings to a movie ever period (laughs) um but then I wrote down the sound design with the visuals, with hearing in the background, her learning how to speak. And then mm-hmm. after that, we see this man like walking into this dark, dark forest and complete darkness to grab a body and then bring the body out. And then he's driving the body somewhere. And then all of a sudden we're in this room and everyone looks like a silhouette. And, you know, they're like, just barely lit enough so that they don't look like completely black silhouettes with this all white room, the sound design of when, when things hit the floor and there's impact and it sounds very muffled, almost like it's under a blanket or something. And then we have this alien woman thing lying on the floor that has like a teardrop coming down from her eyes. And then, well, I think she's a real woman, right? And then Scarlett Johansson is taking the clothes off of her in order to then be able to disguise herself as a a real woman, right? That is not my interpretation, but we can get into that. We can get into that. Um, And then we have her picking up this ant, and we have this extremely close-up shot of this ant, like, walking on her finger before Mm -hmm. we cut to her, you know, leaving this house and car and blah, blah, blah. But I would just love to talk to you about that opening sequence. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but I'm like, Ah, it's so it's so amazing. Like it's equally beautiful and haunting at the same time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably had a ex- different experience in the sense that you know, because I'm seeing this after this movie has been out for so much longer, because I'd wanted to see it for so long. I had a, an idea of what I was what to expect in this movie, so it wasn't I wasn't coming at it from a place of shock, more from a place of like oh, wow, the way they're doing this is really interesting. So when when he first emerges from the um, the the darkened woods carrying this body, I thought, well, I, I'm i assuming that's Scarlett Johansson, but I, I didn't think that this would be, like, is this in media res? Like, are we going to be, is this a, a flash forward? Like, how is this being structured? And then seeing that it is another woman that we don't know, whether she's human or whether she's alien, which I hadn't even considered, but that's a really cool possibility that there could be this sort of, cycle of female alien bodies going on that she was previously um, killed by one of the men she attempted to seduce and that Scarlett Johansson is now taking over, which is a cool idea I had not considered until just this moment. Um, anyway, yeah, so that it it just, it I, I knew the story that was being told, but it was started at a really unexpected point. And right away, the visuals are just so arresting. And it is interesting, the contrast of where they are, whatever this location is, it's all white around them. Whereas when she's bringing the men back, um, seducing the men and bringing them back to be killed, it's all black and the the bodies are visible. Whereas this is all white and the bodies are almost silhouette. And that kind of contrast is just, I mean, both images just look so arresting. Um, They almost exist in this kind of 
this you know nebulous state like do they do they exist where is this there's no sense of markers around them are they on a ship are they in the house like yeah they just kind of exist in the middle of space with no reference point around them Mm -hmm. yeah I I mean you mentioned it a little bit so I'll just confirm but we can get more into it later but I I do interpret this as being a cycle I interpret it Mm -hmm. as like these women but really aliens in my opinion I you know like they're sent out into the world and the people who create them or the men who are orchestrating this or whatever, they're very aware that eventually this clock is going to run out, which is why they're, you know, we see moments where the man kind of stands there looking at, looking at um, Scarlett Johansson's character and is kind of analyzing her and where she's at and how she's doing. And so I feel like they're, they're keeping tabs on the status Mm -hmm. of these creatures. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in the beginning we see this, woman in my opinion other alien creature being carried out of the forest and then at the end Scarlett Johansson's character is dying in a forest you know I just see it Mm -hmm. as this this endless cycle that keeps going um which has themes attached to it that I will get into in a little bit but Mm -hmm. um but that is my interpretation of that were you did it did it was it interesting to you at all like this opening sequence of we have all of these visuals and then slowly but surely we're seeing that it's forming an eyeball of this creature and and while we're seeing this physical forming of the eyeball we're also hearing like the audio forming of this creature learning how to speak and learning English it it, sounding like a robot you know I just Mm -hmm. It's yeah, the, so the, fascinating. The quote that you, yeah, the quote that you read where it's it's almost as if she's saying every possible combination of syllables to calibrate her voice or to, to test out to make sure that she's ready to start going on these um, whatever these missions that she's been designed for are. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful imagery. Yeah, and I think we see, at least in my opinion, so much of this movie is just going to be like, in my opinion, because... There's no, I mean, it's so much of it is interpretation and left open to interpretation. But I I almost feel like by the end, when we see her kind of going rogue and meeting up with this guy, she -hmm. can't really speak. So I almost see it as if she was programmed to only have a specific vocabulary to be able to serve this specific purpose of leading this men to this place. And then when she steps out of that framework, She doesn't know how to communicate. She doesn't have Mm -hmm. the words formed in order to do that, which I think is a super interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) idea. Um, But yeah, I I, I just loved seeing that how like in the beginning she's learning how to speak and then we see how she only knows how to speak in this certain way. And then when she leaves that model and she's trying to become more of a human, she almost becomes less of a human because she doesn't have the tools that she needs or the parts that she needs in order to Mm -hmm. in order to like you know fully get to where she seemingly wants to go there's this childlikeness to her that she is kind of every experience is new to her um and she's she you can see her kind of absorbing information but not knowing how to respond how to express things even how to ask for help Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I wanted to ask you just kind of talking about, you know, her learning how to speak and and all of these things. What 
What did you think about Scarlett Johansson's performance? Because like I said, I think that this is her best performance that I've ever seen her give. Um, Was it something that really stuck out to you? Or was it kind of just like, oh, this is okay? Or what are your thoughts on her performance? Um, I mean, I I think she's fantastic. But then I I usually, (laughs) like I said, I'm a fan. I usually think she's fantastic. She has a probably half a dozen performances that I I think are really, really impressive. I, I mean, the fact that this is such a such a physical performance, there she her dialogue is so restrained and so um minimal and so much of the acting she does with her eyes or the way that she darts her head around or even just the the way that she walks and I, I'm like I don't know. Have I seen Scarlett? <laughs> like trying to think of like other times that I've seen Scarlett Johansson walk. I'm like, she doesn't normally walk like that. It's like it's so stiff mm-hmm. and yet also seductive in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a robot that's been designed to look good, but also you can tell there's something off with it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's a really distinct walk that I think mm-hmm. is so perfect for the character and is really impressive. Um, yeah, I I think she's wonderful and like you said the way that she can turn on and off instantly the um her sort of charming seductive persona and doing it by the way in a pretty good english accent which is very impressive um yeah it's just it's so good you know she she has just the right sort of friendly um you know friendly charming innocent sweet um sexy like you know you can understand why why <laughs> these men are responding to it i think and she she's an actress that i mean i love her performance in her i think she's very good um in using her voice and she uses her voice very well in this movie considering how little um she has an opportunity to use it she really harnesses every opportunity to have a dialogue exchange with the the um other actors mm-hmm. yeah i yeah i think that her performance is, is phenomenal. And I also love how you're mentioning, you know, how she walks and, and almost how she's designed in this very specific way in terms of this performance that she gives to portray that she is, you know, meant to be attractive, but almost there's, there's some, a little bit of awkwardness to it. And I feel Mm -hmm. like we see that in her wardrobe too. And I love, I love the note of how in the beginning she's wearing the clothing from this other being that she took it from but then she's like nah this doesn't work for my like this doesn't complement my figure in the way that it should and so then she Mm -hmm. changes and then the first time we see her after changing like I you know I've never been a particular person who finds Scarlett Johansson to be attractive I know a lot of people are like she's the hottest person ever like she was a sex symbol for a long time maybe still is I don't know but you know, the first time we see her in this outfit, it's a shot of her butt, you know, <laughs> like, and it looks good. Like she, she's got this very specific clothing that's like contoured to mm-hmm. her figure and to her being to specifically communicate that like men come to me, you know? And um, I just think there's so many details with her putting herself together in order to look the most presentable for the purpose that she's supposed to Mm -hmm. serve yeah Um, well i mean it's worth bringing up i mean there there is a lot of nudity in this movie and i remember that being kind of a talking point when the movie was first coming out i don't know if this is the first nude roles that she was necessarily doing or, or just 
that being kind of a point of discussion of her being like this, I really felt like it was integral to this particular role. And I felt like it was Mm -hmm. empowering because it was part of this character. And I think that she, you know, working with Jonathan Glazer, the way that those scenes are shot and framed, it is really good in establishing, um, you know, it, it is really integral to this movie and to establishing who this character is in that it sees the, you know, the her body as this asset to be used for a very specific purpose. And the, so the way she moves, it's, it's not with any sort of sense of shame or modesty, um, but also not, you know, with a kind of calculated intention. And so the it's not titillating. It's very much kind of this is, you know, framing how this alien is using this thing and why the men in the are drawn toward it. But it's not for the audience. It's mm-hmm. for the establishing of this character in these dynamics. And then there's a lot of nudity from the male actors as mm-hmm. well. And it's kind of framed differently where they're sort of, I don't know, it's kind of deflating to them in a way. I mean, for, it literally me, is. It's like, they like deflate when they're under the... <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, poor choice of words. But like, because yeah, put unintentional pun. But like, that's also not very... Sec- like they just kind of look it really does make you think like oh and human beings are just kind of pieces of meat mm-hmm. <laughs> you know well I like, remember which is, is how the air aliens are regarding it you know that they sort of swagger as they're walking but they're also walking to their doom and it it is the sort of um there is a little bit of patheticness to it in in a sense at least at least in in certain exchanges and that's i think down to the the performances of the actors and also the way the director frames and, and shoots the scenes. Yeah. So just, just a fun fact, I found this in my research, but Jonathan Glazer wanted this movie to feel very realistic. And so a lot of the characters that we see on screen are, are they're, they're not actors. They're just, oh, they're interesting. just people that they found and mm-hmm. put them in this movie, which I think is really interesting yeah, um, Scarlett Johansson is basically the only like actor in mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, one of the men that she seduces, I recognize from some other some other Scottish uh, films that I've seen, but the others did not recognize at all. Yeah, I, yeah, and just to kind of circle back a little bit to kind of, um, I'm just gonna keep calling her Scarlett Johansson's character because she doesn't have a name, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but just kind of going back to her coming into being and and seeing how, you know, she's learning how to speak, then she's learning how to dress herself, then she's learning what type of wardrobe and what type of makeup works for her. And then, you know, she's learning all these things about herself. And then in this first interaction that she has with the first man that she lures in, the editing of that scene is so erratic. Like the cutting is so fast. The takes, like it's, it's cutting before they're finished speaking and then it's rapidly switching Mm -hmm. back and forth and it really is unsettling in this way where she's learning how to have a conversation like she she doesn't she's learning on the fly in terms of like oh this person finished speaking now I should speak but where do I look when I speak what you know and I just loved having that kind of I feel like this movie is so much so even though it's not shot through the point of view of Scarlett Johansson's character it almost feels like it is like like we're experiencing the world through her eyes even though we're watching her from the outside 
Mm-hmm. And it's just so brilliantly done. And I loved that editing in that particular scene because we don't have editing like that really anywhere else in the film. But in that scene, it's so specifically used to, in my opinion, like showcase how she's really learning how to interact in this world. Like it's very unnatural to her and she's trying to figure it out. So I wasn't sure if you noticed that, but I thought that was uh, a no, really I actually, interesting I didn't idea. pick up on, on that. I think I was too distracted by the conversation itself. And then also, oh, she's doing an English accent. <laughs> oh, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, I definitely would recommend people to rewatch this movie. I definitely benefited mm. from a rewatch. There's a lot yeah. more I picked up on this time around. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So speaking of things picking, maybe being picked up on, this is something that... I, even watching it this time, I was like, I still don't understand this other than like, maybe it's purely to show how inhuman this creature is. Mm-hmm. But the whole scene with the people drowning in the oh water. So like, this is the part I, that was the most visceral to me. This is the part that upset me the most. Yeah, and that's like, I'm gonna largely come to because I'm beach. just... I'm going to come to this beach purely to lure this man in for this purpose. But mm-hmm. when I'm unable to accomplish that purpose... I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to stand here and wait until I can grab this body and take it. And I'm just like, this is brutal. And I think you and I both are going to be on the same page with this. I really, really, really struggle with children, specifically, inf- specifically yes. infants. This is what I was about left to say. Yeah. In helpless situations. And mm-hmm. it's been seen in lots of things like Game of Thrones and whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like whenever there are children abandoned anywhere, it's really, really hard for me. Like I had to mute this entire scene with the baby crying because I can't like, I can't do it. Um, but I wasn't sure, like, I mean, I would like to talk about this scene in general, but I wasn't sure if you saw any sort of purpose to it aside from just establishing how incredibly disconnected this creature is from the human experience. I mean, I, I think that's what its purpose is, is that it doesn't recognize, or at least at this point in its journey, it does not recognize concepts of um, kindness and altruism, rewarding people for their good news, the um, the goodness of preserving life and, and helping people who are in helpless situations. It, you know, it witnesses this man who it's been planning to lure in and destroy, go and do something incredibly brave and selfless, which is attempting to rescue this couple that is drowning, which, and that's such an, a wonderfully tragic, um, like mini situation in itself, because it's a woman who's drowning. Her husband runs in to try and save her. He Ugh. starts to drown. Yeah. This, the guy runs in to, and saves him, successfully saves him. And then instantly the husband gets back up and runs back out to try and save his wife. And who's trying to save a dog. That's yeah, trying to save which, their like, dog who's dying. Just, just, I, I love dogs, but like, you know, please don't die. You, you have a child to take care of. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like this, this, uh, this whole mini drama that goes down that's just sort of displaying the the best and and most tragic aspects of the human experience mm-hmm. and she just watches it and waits for it to be over and then when it's done and the coast is clear she goes and claims her prey and it is this just so incredibly chilling um and the the 
I mean, the thing that disturbed me the almost even more than that was who I consider to be the scariest part of this movie, which is the motorcyclist mm-hmm. coming back later and cleaning up after mm-hmm. every one of her kills and how he takes away all of the um the the detritus of the the couple to show that they were ever there and just leaves the baby like Ugh. doesn't even acknowledge the baby as you see the tide coming oh i mm. it's it's really upsetting it's really it upsetting, is so upsetting for me <laughs> it's really upsetting for me yeah there are two images from this movie that are going to be ingrained on my mind for a very long time and that is one of them Ugh. yeah i i i like literally can't even like think about it it's it's really upsetting to me um <laughs> Oh, good gosh. Yeah. But also I loved, I loved the contrast too. Like in addition to everything that you're saying, I also love the contrast of seeing the human response to this situation versus the non-human response because the surfer guy, his automatic response without even thinking about it is Mm -hmm. I'm going to go help these people. Not like even risking my life. Like my automatic human response is I see someone in need. I'm going to go help. And mm-hmm. her response is nothing. Mm-hmm. It, I loved how you said it. It's just her standing there waiting for it to be over so that she can then, you know, grab this body to serve her ultimate purpose. Mm-hmm. And man, it, it's it's a hard scene. It really mm-hmm. is. And yeah. it's like if the, anything, whole, the whole time he... we're watching it, we know where it's going and we know how it's mm-hmm. going to end. At least for me. I'm like, the second I saw this woman swimming out to this dog in waves and a tide that's clearly way too strong mm-hmm. and then I saw the other guy run over there I'm like oh man I I know exactly where this is going but the fact that I didn't know there was a baby until after everyone mm-hmm. was dead I was like oh no yeah. this is terrible yeah 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 sorry I was just gonna say I mean the the fact that the swimmer attempts to rescue them and does as as I said this incredibly brave thing all it does is it makes it easier for her then to mm. clonk him on the head and mm-hmm. take him away yeah. yeah yeah it's so chilling yeah well I'm gonna cross off my note of I can't handle the babies <laughs> yes <laughs> so I'm crossing this is that a huge off. note that I had as well <laughs> um cool <laughs> so my next note is, which you mentioned in the beginning, yes, let's get into it. This whole sequence that we have of, oh, th- this is something I forgot about. And then watching it this time, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, ah, this movie is so good. Is the sequence where she has this next guy that she lures into the black liquid. I'm not even going to call it water because it's so thick. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, like, lot, like tar. I don't, I don't even know. Like oil? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. But, um. But she it's clear the, when you get below the surface, but right. it's also hard because she can walk on it. Oh. I, it's it's the 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 design, the set design, mm-hmm. the all of it. It's just it's crazy. The visual um, design reminded me a lot of um, the, the upside um, down. Yes, from Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Or no. Oh, I, sorry. I was the, of the the sunken place. Yeah, sorry. I was yeah, yeah. The sunken the, place from Get Out. I remember the first time I watched this movie. I I looked up like. Did Stranger Things come out before or after this? (laughs) And like, when did Get Out come? Because I was like, oh man, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Either way, it looks amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I'd like to talk about that sequence of the man seeing him under the liquid for the first time Mm -hmm. and then seeing him looking at this other guy. It's so horrifying how his skin is is like rippling and 
Still that was human, the human, but like not. That was the last part Woo. before I turned it off to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> the part where I was like, "Well, I think I have seen enough. <laughs> I need to sleep." Yeah, but then, and he's like, w- "Which for me, this is one of my worst fears." Which mm-hmm. I hope it's never Being going kidnapped to by an me. alien and no. <laughs> drowned and uh, no. all your deflated. <laughs> Being in a situation where I'm in danger and I'm yelling, but no one can hear me. And the fact that you see this man screaming help, mm-hmm. but he can't, ah, and, but then they have this beautiful moment where they hold hands before this guy turns into nothing. So I would just love to talk a little bit about just like what we, what we see in that sequence from kind of him falling down to him not knowing where he is and then seeing this other guy and, and this other guy, like almost he's either like yelling for help or he's telling him to get out try and get out or or I I don't even know and then they have this moment of camaraderie in my opinion of just recognizing well we have no idea what is going on but this is the end for us you know and um and then you know we can talk about that if we want but then obviously he deflates and falls into this pool of lava slash blood slash I I don't know (laughs) and then it like rolls into this well here's the thing so it whoa so so he deflates and then he goes into this red river thing made up of Mm -hmm. whatever we want to interpret it as which we can talk about that and then after he goes through that he becomes this star and then almost in the middle of this star, we see something moving in there, like inside of the star. And to me, I almost interpreted it as looking like a baby, like a baby crawling around. And Which- I I just found that to be incredibly interesting. Like, where where are they going? Do they just become an empty star in, in space and just become nothingness? Or is it... Or is that black thing moving in there a sign that it's going to reemerge as something else? Or I don't know. But whether it's a baby or not, I feel like there's something living in there that's moving. Um, or are they just reduced to this small little black speck for the rest of it? It's I don't know. I'm just like, what? Where are they going? What's happening to them? I don't know. Um, but I found this whole sequence to be really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, is there anything in particular from when this guy goes under the liquid to kind of seeing that whole sequence through that's particularly yeah. I mean, interesting my, to you. My interpretation, I think, was less of it being still a mutual moment and more just he happens to witness the last moments of this other guy in his death throes as he's being fully, you know, the final harvesting is in process. And so as that guy is kind of screaming, his last cry is, is when he, he reaches out and touches his hand. And I, I see it very much as being the aliens are harvesting them. So it leaves the skin behind, but all of the, the blood and the innards are kind of just chopped up and, and pulled into this sludge that is going, I don't know, maybe to feed the aliens, maybe to, form some sort of scientific experiment or some sort of process that they need. We don't really know. Um, I didn't see it as them becoming a star. I saw that as more like maybe a light from their ship or their lab or something hmm. like that. But um, but the same idea of just these, whatever these alien beings are, they are harvesting the innards of the man somehow. And so they are being reduced down to pulp basically and being consumed. Hmm. 
Yeah, I I could definitely see that interpretation. I just I just love the visuals of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, of the whole yeah. movie, period. Well, but like this, this sequence. Is the- this the seduction where we have that uh, faraway shot of, you know, they get back to the house, Scarlett Johansson alien takes off her her clothes so she's in kind of a her actually i don't remember if she's in like black underwear she's completely nude but he's he's nude and you have the shot from far away of the two of them where she is walking straight and he is walking down almost as if he's going down steps but he's going down into the sludge that's the other image that's going to be burned Mm. in my brain for a long time i think it's just so beautifully balanced and visually arresting where she's just continuing on the same straight plane Mm -hmm. completely you know, not looking back at him, um, just leading him like a siren, you know, is what the image that I had in my mind, you know, this beautiful, the, uh, the, the sort of fairy tale trope of the, the beautiful woman who lures the man to his death. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie is kind of, you know, playing with and subverting that element in certain ways, but he's just going down. And I find it so interesting every time we see the men going down into the sludge, they don't seem to notice at all. No, <laughs> They're just like, they're so fixated on her nothing seems to them to be wrong until they they break down beneath the surface well again kind of going back to what i was saying earlier in terms of the movie reveals more and more and more of what's happening as time goes Mm -hmm. on because the first time we just see the men kind of going slower and slower like the first guy just going under but we don't actually see his head go under and then Mm -hmm. the next time we see oh they're going into a liquid because we see the head going under and like all of these different things but then eventually as time goes on we do because initially it's like we just see them walking into this black door and then they're Mm -hmm. in this room but then eventually we see what the interior of this house looks like Mm -hmm. and I love the concept of these men continue to go with her through this home to get to that room because they don't even notice how creepy the house mm-hmm. is. Like if any normal person yeah. walks into a house like that, they'd be like, um, <laughs> no thanks, I mean, I'm leaving, bye. <laughs> there's very much some commentary there on oh, absolutely. You know, the difference between w- the way women experience the world and experience danger versus men. I mean, you know, any man, I think, most men, I think, in the real world, if they were in this specific set of circumstances, they probably would have a hint that they might are in some danger when they step yeah. into that house. And there's no furniture and it just seems to be blackness that goes on forever. But... You know, I I was actually talking to some friends recently and a guy friend was just telling this story about um, like he he and his wife were out and this random person pulled up next to them. I think they were like traveling in a foreign country and was just like, do you want to ride? And he was like, sure. And he just gets oh in the gosh. car and his wife is like horrified. Yeah. What are you like, doing? I, what must it be like to go through life and not have that sense of constant the need to be constantly vigilant because of danger all around you. And, you know, granted, this is a vast oversimplification, you know, um, but it is very much, you know, there's that sense of fearlessness because they don't even know to be afraid because danger for them has never appeared in a form of a Scarlett Johansson. And so they're just, they have no sense concept of, I need to be wary until it's too late. I also, which... I'm I'm trying to reserve this until the end of the episode because I have lots of thoughts about this. But I also feel like there is this sense of not just necessarily recognizing that they don't need to think about whether or not they're in danger, but also for me in terms of my interpretation, I think it's more so that they just don't even notice what 
what's around them at all because they're mm. so focused on Scarlett Johansson and how, you know, they're just lusting after her so hard that like nothing else matters other than I want to have sex with this woman. Nothing mm-hmm. else matters. And she knows that the power that she holds over them, she doesn't need to do anything but walk. And mm-hmm. she knows that she's got them. And and they don't know it until it's too late. But I just love that yeah. concept of just really seeing that, you know, going from the beginning moments of the car to then later realizing that they're then being led through this house and then being led into this liquid. It's like they really are just so, so enraptured by her that it's like nothing else exists. And I just think that's really interesting and, and contributes a lot to what I think the overall theme of this film is, which again, I'm trying to leave it till the end. Like I'm really trying not to get into it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just I find this whole sequence to be really visually arresting. I I had never seen anything like this. You know, the way that the man under the liquid is like anim- animated. I don't even know the right word, but the way that they do something to his body to make his skin look there's still bones so there kind of, but not bloated. really. Yeah, and he like, looks like a drowned corpse. It looks waterlogged. Yeah, it's it's wild. And then it just deflates almost like in a mm-hmm. puff of smoke, but there's no smoke. And then it because it's just crazy how they it's, visually adapted that concept. It's so it so upsetting. disturbing, but also <laughs> really cool. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really cool. Um man. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm like, there's now that we're getting like all of (laughs) these things to talk about. Well, all these notes that I have left, I'm like, how do I talk about this without talking about the theme? So. Well, do you want to talk about any more kind of incidents before we start getting into her trip into the Highlands? Yeah. I mean, we haven't really talked about her experience with the, the man with the deformed face, because that is the first thing that really starts to break the pattern. Yes. Along those lines of that particular man, though, I kind of wrote down a sequence of events um, to that kind of lead up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this moment, which I'll again get into this towards the end, but we have this moment after she, you know, lures this man and we see the body deflate and blah, blah, blah. She walks out of this room and then we have this moment where she's standing in front of this motorcycle guy and he is evaluating her to kind of mm-hmm. see where are you at? Are you still, have you gone rogue yet? Are you still doing what you're supposed to be doing? And clearly he's like, all right, you're still doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm going to let you go on your merry way, whatever. And then after that evaluation is when we see things start to kind of fall, not fall apart, but her kind of start to become a little bit more self-aware and thinking for herself a little bit more because the sequence of events that I wrote down following that are she comes down from this room after destroying you know this victim and this is also the first time where we see that kind of black creature in that room of Mm -hmm. uh, is she looking at herself you know is it her which in my opinion I think it kind of is because this is kind of the start of her really becoming self-aware but we see that creature for the first time in that room and then after that she walks out we have this really long sequence of her looking into this mirror and while she looks into this mirror, because this movie is very, very quiet, whenever she's kind of alone, 
it's very quiet. It's like she's in a car and it's muffled. She's in this white room and it's muffled. She's in this black room and it's muffled. It's just very quiet when she's alone. This is the first time when she's alone and there's sounds. Like she notices a fly in the room, like going against the window. It's like, oh, wow, she's becoming more aware of these things. And then after that, this is when we see her meet this this man, the, the man with the deformed face and then brings him in and then lets him out. And then after that, we see her changing her wardrobe before she goes out on her like next kind of journey. But I just thought it was really interesting how we have that progression of her seeing this black creature in the room to then staring at herself for a really long time and mm-hmm. clearly showing an expression on her face of just kind of um, uh, just showing an expression on her face of just kind of all of these different things of I there's confusion on her face. There's curiosity in her face like Scarlett Johansson just does so well in this movie, but we see her starting to experiment with emotions for the first time and da 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 da. Well, we also have that moment. I think this is when it happens. I think it is before um, the the part that we're about to talk about, but she is driving in the van and she has the radio on for the first time. Mm. And you hear that news story about Mm -hmm. the couple and the child who, you know, we know were all drowned, although they've not yet figured out what happened to the wife and the the child they've only found the husband so far but she doesn't seem to really react to it but she's clearly absorbing it mm-hmm. and then there is while well, she's stuck in traffic um a man like a, an itinerant rose salesman comes by and gives her a rose that a guy from another car um had given her and she finds that it has blood on it and it's because the the itinerant rose salesman had a cut on his hand that he's trying to bandage up and she looks at the blood and you know i again that's there's there's a sort of unreadable expression on her face but she's clearly absorbing you know what it means to touch blood what it means to touch someone's kind of vulnerability and weakness this thing that they have that she as we see at the end of the film doesn't have um and again there's that sort of mix of kind of a nice thing someone bought her a rose and also but there's like ambigu ambiguity to the the motives for that and then also it's mixed up with this the person who's selling it who had you know this you know is wounded in some way and has not been able to to fix it and so it's the kind of the weaknesses of humanity and you know, there, there's just so much there in that little tiny moment um, as she's kind of interacting with the world in this really unexpected way. And then she moves on in the traffic and has no further contact with either of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, as far as just kind of progressing from that, um, as far as the, the man with the deformed face, I mean, it sounds, if I'm being honest, I don't really have much to say about that sequence because I feel like it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward in terms of, okay, you know, she recognizes that this guy is, is like really sweet and not a bad person. And she starts to realize like, oh, this man doesn't deserve this. <laughs> like he's genuinely really kind. And, you know, I would be hurting someone who's a good person and I don't want to do that and he's kind of revealing that to me through being different from any man that I've seen he's the one who kind of wakes her up a little bit um and so yeah I mean I don't really have too much to say about him but if you've got stuff to say go for it 
Yeah, just I, I think because I think that incident is so significant and that it leads directly to her making the decision to go rogue mm-hmm. and go up into the highlands because in her previous conversations with the men, she's always asking them about their circumstances. You know, oh, you work around here, you live alone, do you have a girlfriend? And, you know, you can tell that these are questions that are intended to gauge, is this person a pretty isolated person where mm-hmm. their their disappearance would go unnoticed for a while? You mm-hmm. know, it's not necessarily most, you know, we can assume it's not out of kindness for them. It is, is this going to allow us to operate unnoticed for as long as possible? And this man with this deformity to his face, you know, he he seems to live alone. He doesn't really have friends. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He um, he goes shopping at night so as to be unnoticed by people. He seems like the absolute perfect candidate for what they're doing. But in talking to him, she does seem to, you know, e- even though we don't see it at the time, because she goes ahead with bringing him to the house and charming him and, and bring, um, you know, sending him down into the goo, something about that conversation has touched her. And so that's the first person that she makes the decision to do something different with. She actually rescues him, which she has never done with anyone else, even though, again, he is theoretically exactly what they are looking for. But what's then so horrifying about it is, so she rescues him. She um, takes him out, does not even return his clothes. (laughs) He's completely naked. She drops him off close to his house. And so he goes home. But the motorcyclist who's been there to clean up has already gone there. And I don't know if he knew ahead of time that she had let him go, but he is there to basically murder him as soon as he gets home. And we assume stuff him in his trunk and, and dispose of the evidence. And there's and, a neighbor watching who yeah. <laughs> does nothing, theoretically? Well, I mean, I'm the I, if you're an elderly woman, you're not going to go out and confront the <laughs> guy who just violently murdered someone. Well, in front yeah, of you. Hopefully but she she's going to call the police. She looks pretty neutral about this. She's not like, oh my gosh, I'm shocked. What's going on? She's kind of like, oh, okay. In my opinion, she looks like she's just going to go to bed. She's just like, oh, okay, <laughs> that possible. happened. I'm going to go to sleep it's possible. now. Like- well, the question I had is, is the motorcyclist then going to come back and murder her too? Um, but anyway, yeah. So so it is the first time that she's explicitly diverging from what the centralized plan is. And the motorcyclist is kind of cleaning up the loose ends that she is now creating. You know, he is... Um, she decides to make this decision to let this guy go free and the motorcyclist says no he has to die anyway yeah and then and this leads us to the to the sequence kind of basically like towards the conclusion of the film where where Scarlett Johansson's character goes out into the forest and finds this hut that's basically like forest walkers can stay here and I found this sequence to be really really interesting because first of all she walks in there and we have this incredibly long shot of her just standing in the center of the room. But I don't know if it's the lens that they used or treatment after the fact or whatever it is, but she is entirely in focus and everything else other than her is just slightly, just slightly a little bit, a little bit off. And it's not in a way where it's like, oh, obviously everything else is out of focus. It's like, there's just just a little a little bit of something and I thought that was really really interesting and then also 
kind of contributing to my thought that this is kind of a cycle of these women who go through this process. Then there's another one to fill their shoes when they've finished their job, basically, mm-hmm. is when she gets to this room and she's like laying down on the floor, we have this very specific close up shot of her knees and her jeans starting to rip open, mm-hmm. which we see those same rips on the the tights that the first woman was wearing whose clothes she took in the beginning. And so mm-hmm. I love this idea that all of these women have this same journey that leads to them kind of going out here and then them getting disheveled and yeah. all that stuff. Are you skipping over, intentionally skipping over the first um, people that she meets when she goes up to the Highlands, the one that takes her home and um, allows her to stay? Isn't that after? No, because when she goes into the, the Bothy, that's when she's attacked by the um, the logger who guy who attempts to rape her. That's the very end. It's a progression because she gets up into the highlands. Um, she has a, a meal and tries <laughs> tries some food and spits it out. Oh, apparently yeah. she doesn't know how to eat. Everyone um, else in there is like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> um she's she starts to walk and then um she ends up riding this bus which like clearly it's like she just wants to get away from the yeah 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 Yeah, so she's riding this bus this man the bus driver and this man who's on the bus they both notice that she seems kind of she doesn't have a coat she seems kind of lost and afraid and um and the man ends up taking her home and he he's really really nice to her um like he's a he gives her a place to stay. He gives her food. Um, he does not take advantage of her until she makes it very clear that she wants something to happen, um, which I think is, is significant because then it, it's such a contrast with then what happens to her. You know, after they have this scene where, you know, she spent like 24 hours at his place. They've kind of walked around. He's been very solicitous to her. And they come home and she... She basically makes it very clear, like, I want you to start kissing me. I want us to have sex, um, which they start to do. But then she freaks out and she goes and starts examining herself with a, a light. And it's like, it's really, I found it so fascinating because it's like she has been created for this purpose of luring men. And yet she has seemingly no understanding of her own body. And she's never had to use it before. Um, when she was seducing these other men, because all she was doing was taking off her clothes and walking, basically, and leading them into into oblivion. Um, and so this is the first time that she's sort of had this understanding of like, oh, there's like other things that are happening with my body. I, I don't understand what's going on. And it's, yeah, it's frightening. And that's when she leaves and she goes off into the forest and um, and comes across the cabin. That's interesting because I have an entirely different interpretation. Oh, interesting. What's your interpretation? I, I, I think that. So, uh, forgive me. It's going to be a little mm. bit explicit. I interpret mm-hmm. the scene as meaning like the sex scene or or the hope she hopes to have sex or whatever. I interpret it as like they're in the moment. They're in mm-hmm. the process. And just as he's ready to like go in, in in my opinion, it's not something where he's like, oh, I'm a guy. I know where the vagina is and this isn't working. It's more so like something is off here. Like this is not normal. This is not normal. What's going on? And I think that she freaks out and she's Mm -hmm. like, 
this is supposed to be something that's working. Why is it not working? Oh, and then she examines herself mm-hmm. and realizes she doesn't have a vagina. She doesn't have genitals. She was not created for this experience. She was created purely as this creature that serves mm-hmm. the purpose of luring these men, but is actually incapable of doing the thing that they ultimately want to do, which in my opinion leads her to this final moments of the movie when she recognizes like, Oh, mm-hmm. I am not human. Even if I want to be, I am not because I can't have these experiences, not because I'm not comfortable with my body, but because my body is not a human body. My body can't do what humans bodies can do. It doesn't have blood like that person who cut their finger and gave me the flower. It doesn't have mm-hmm. a vagina that can have sex the way that I thought it could, the way that humans can. And I think that mm-hmm. in my opinion, that is shown through the confusion <laughs> what is in the happening? man's face yeah. when he's like, why is there no vagina here? <laughs> like, this is not like, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. There's something going on that I haven't experienced and I don't know what it is. Um, and so for me, that was how I interpreted it of this is kind of the final straw of her recognizing mm-hmm. I cannot be human. Not I cannot be human. I am not human. So what does that mean for my life? I don't know. So, but I don't want to go back to where I started. So I'm just going to go to the forest and see if I can figure things out. But like, what does this mean for me now? Um, That was my interpretation. I also don't think that he's a good guy. I think that it's another, (laughs) again, I'm trying really hard not to like talk about my overall interpretations of this this movie. We're almost there. But I think Mm -hmm. it's just another angle of showing how men lust after women. I think he's being emotionally manipulative. I don't think he takes her in purely for good reasons. I think he's like, this woman's hot. She's alone. Waited out. Clearly I can take advantage of Mm -hmm. her, but I have to like lure her in first and, and be kind to her. And then I'll get this opportunity. Cause I feel like if he was actually a good guy, he'd be like the fact that you're alone (laughs) and clearly not well. Yeah, it's true. I probably shouldn't be having sex with you right now because clearly you're in a vulnerable state. I think he was just waiting to take advantage of her. Yeah, I think what complicates it is just the fact that she is very much the one who initiates it rather than him. But yeah, I I, I definitely take your point. He should have turned her down. He should have turned her down. He was like ready to go. I feel like another man, mm-hmm. I hope, would have been like, we <laughs> yeah. probably shouldn't do this. Like, you have not said one mm-hmm. word since I met you. So clearly you're traumatized somehow that you can't yeah. speak like... I don't know. I, I, in my opinion, I think he's just another man who's trying to yeah. have sex with her, but he's just yeah, going so about it in a different way, um, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, then, oh man. Okay. I'm getting to like my final, okay, we're almost there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we have her going out into the forest and she meets this dirt bag. Oh, uh, the second he's on screen, the way that he asks her, like, oh, are you by yourself? You're just going for a walk? Yeah, look out for the trails. You're like, this guy, no good. No good. <laughs> and for us as women, we're like, we know <laughs> what this is. Um, this is when you run or you scream or you do both. Um, but, yeah, so he he's like, yeah, good luck out there. Stay safe. It's not safe for a woman to be out here alone. And then she goes on her way and then he ends up, finding her again and uh 
you know, is in the process mm-hmm. of, of raping her, which is super fun. Um, and then as he is on the, on the brink of doing that, he recognizes that her skin is yep. <laughs> ripping apart. He starts tearing and her skin off is, and then is like, wait, uh, what? There's black things underneath this like what is like you know so then he freaks out and apparently immediately has the idea of I'm going to set you on fire (laughs) um but before before he does that we have this beautiful horrifying Mm -hmm. (laughs) sequence of her recognizing again like fully seeing herself for who she truly is of this is just again I mean the movie's called under the skin right like this entire human being that I thought I was is purely just skin that exists over my actual being, which is almost like a black nothingness, you know? And we have this moment where she looks at the skin of who she was and it blinks at her. And it's like, oh my, like, mm-hmm. what? Um, and then this dude who tries to rape her sets her on fire and, and she yeah. runs away. And then the motorcycle guy finds her and does he find her uh, oh no 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 he doesn't i don't think he does yeah no she's set on fire and then we have smoke going up into the sky and then we see snowflakes coming down so yeah this whole time the motorcycle guy has he's driven up into the highlands and he's looking for her her, but he does not multiple of them he was like i need backup yeah (laughs) (laughs) gotta call in the other alien motorcyclists um yeah 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 so okay so now that we've reached the end, yes. I want to talk about what we think this movie means. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, because again, the first time I watched this movie, I kind of finished it with a similar response that I had to Mulholland Drive, which is like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and it was more so I just came away with like an emotional experience and being like, I think there's something going on here about feminism, but like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then this time watching it, I very much so picked up on very a very strong idea of what I think this is about from my own interpretation. Um, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts at this point or if it's just kind of like, I don't know, first watch, uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean, this is my first watch. So kind of like when I saw Mulholland Drive, like the first time I saw it, I was like this, I don't understand what just happened. And then the second time <laughs> I watched it, I was like, oh, no, actually, there is something coherent I can bring out of it. This, this is my first watch. Um, but I think actually <laughs> you pointing out the the cyclical nature of what seems to be happening, the fact that the woman at the beginning was probably another alien really opened up a dimension to it that I'd never thought about before. And so it is this kind of a really interesting inverse subversion of the predatory aspects of the male female dynamic and yet they're also being confirmed in the way that she is there's this exploitation and um predation and and exploitation of men that are happening from the aliens and yet at the same time the the male uh presenting aliens are also exploiting and using up the female presenting aliens in this really interesting um way i i don't have like a more (laughs) themed and coherent um argument to make about that i just find that a really fascinating premise for a movie yeah i me too (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i for me coming out of this movie i um 
I kind of see this movie as really making a statement about the existence of women in the world and how they're seen and the role that they play in society and um, the freedom that they have and the ways in which they're controlled and don't have freedom. Um, And I just feel like with this movie, she is created with this purpose of you are a beautiful creature and you exist only to be lusted after Mm -hmm. by men. That is what you are created to do. And I think that in society, there is a lot of, if you are a beautiful woman that looks like Scarlett Johansson, which I think is true, even in Scarlett Johansson's real life, men will look at you like an object and you are seen just through this. I mean, you know, I'm speaking in gen, you know general terms here, but like women are seen as this object for men to cast their lusts upon and have their sexual needs fulfilled and that is the purpose that women serve to them but then women as they hopefully (laughs) start to gain power and become more self-aware and recognizing like oh I actually can choose my life and not be seen this way and I want to have my own freedoms and live my own life and not be controlled and in this sort of way once she starts to become more self-aware and once women start to take ownership of who they are, that's when they become victims in terms of you no longer have this power of lust, which in a way is its own victimization, but now you are this vessel that you now become the prey as opposed to the predator. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when, once you start really owning who you are and trying to become independent in your own right, that's when you really get taken advantage of. And I really like this idea of, you know, this film has this contrast of um, we've got like obviously the sci-fi aspects and the fantastical aspects and all of these different things. But then towards the end we have, and even in the beginning too, in certain parts of the movie, like we have these beautiful shots of nature. And, but especially towards the end, I don't think it's a coincidence that when these women really start becoming self-aware they're in the forest and we have these shots of the trees and of the snowflakes because I think it communicates that in nature, women are victims. That is their natural state. Like the way that society works is women are just naturally victims. Whether they want to be or not, this is how they exist. And that's not me saying that like (laughs) women naturally are weak or women naturally or whatever this is nothing about the reflection of women it's it's about a reflection of society like society sees women as victims in its natural state if that makes sense Mm. and I'm not putting any sort of blame on women that's not what I'm doing I'm saying I'm putting blame on society (laughs) like the natural state of society is to treat women in this way and you know and so obviously this is a very abstract way of communicating that but I think it's very interesting that this film is balancing all of these ideas of like women have power but only within this certain sphere and then when Mm -hmm. they try to have power in other ways that's when they become victims and ultimately the fact that this whole system is seemingly run by men I think is also really interesting like what is the motivation of these men in creating these women that destroy other men is it kind of like a weird competition thing of like I I don't really know what it is, but I think there's definitely something significant there about this all sort of being orchestrated and organized by men. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what, what I took away from it. And I think that it's just a very, uh, inquisitive reflection on women's roles in society and what they're allowed to be versus what they're not allowed to be. And, um, I, I don't think that it's necessarily 100% true. I do think that like women are gaining more respect as like time goes on and like all the, obviously we've never lived in a world where like a literal situation like this happens, but I think we see the themes of this playing out in society as a whole. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I just think that it's really, really interesting. So that's kind of like my, my takeaway from the film. And I also like that, that, you know, there's a lot of shitty men in this movie. Some of them, in my opinion, I think the, I mean, obviously the, the straight up rapist at the end, like sucks. Um, but also I think the guy who, in my opinion, manipulatively brings her into her home and is kind, I think he's also one of the worst as well. The other guys are kind of just like dumb and dopey. (laughs) Um, but not all of them are bad. Like we see that man with the, with the deformed face and he's like a good guy, you know, it's not like all men suck, but it's like a lot of men do, (laughs) you know? Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, those are kind of my, my takeaway thoughts this time around. Yeah. Um, sorry, you said so many things. I'm like trying to figure out what to respond to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like predator going from predator to victim and then, you know, nature things. And well, I'm that, glad yeah. that you pulled out the the theme of nature because that sort of, you know, the journey into the countryside, the journey into the pastoral is such a, um, you know, a longstanding trope of finding yourself and finding um, a more kind of pure version of what life can be and so this is sort of taking that and subverting it in certain ways because a journey into the pastoral also means theoretically a journey into a kind of more dangerous primitive not primitive in the sense that like you know um like life in the highland suburbs is is primitive but like in the sense that you are farther away from other people you are in nature you are more isolated and therefore it is in this less um kind of urbanized situation and so the the danger is therefore greater um yeah i like that you pulled out this idea that um as she becomes more self-aware, she paradoxically becomes less self-empowered. She becomes less able to protect herself without the the strictures of um, kind of urban society, um, the the assistance of the man on the motorcycle. You know, these things that have put in place to kind of keep her safe are also keeping her in her place. Um, oh, you just gave me you just gave me an idea by saying that. Oh, go for just- it. Yeah, just like this concept of the only way that she is, you know, safe and empowered is in this circumstance that men have orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Like men created this system and only within that system playing mm-hmm. the role that she's supposed to play. Yeah, exactly. Is she empowered in the way that they deem her to be empowered? Right. When she tries to form her own path, that's when it's like, well, we got to get rid of you. You know, because we don't like that you're trying to break this mold. Yeah. You know, well, it's like once she wanders off of the sort of pa- 
path of her life that has been created her for her. I think you might have actually used this phrase earlier, but it's like her, um, oh, what's the phrase? Like it, it's a ticking, it, she's on a ticking clock. There's only so much time she has left before disaster is inevitably going to befall her, which is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, man, yeah, and just, yeah. <laughs> I, what, what did you think when you first saw like her skin ripping apart with the with the black underneath it were you just kind of like what what's going on and then the reveal at first I thought it was blood um that mm, this okay. alien creature bleeds black rather than red and then mm-hmm. I saw the the piece hanging down and realized it was the skin I mean I, I knew sooner or later <laughs> that was going to happen um and it looked really really interesting and and um yeah just visually distinct when it did i like you said i the the moment where she pulls off the face and holds it mm. in her hand and the face is still blinking and emoting mm-hmm. was really cool yeah, yeah 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 i mean even the concept of like this whole woman who we're following throughout this movie is not a woman it's like another creature having the experience of a woman it almost begs this question of like if anyone from anywhere were to step into the shoes of a woman, you know, maybe they would see the world differently. You know, it's like this creature is so connected with the woman experience or with the female experience, even though they're not a woman. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's like so many, there's so yeah. many things here to like dive into, which yeah. is why I love this movie. I mean, it's so good all yeah. around. Five out of five. Perfect. <laughs> I, I love too that, you know, there's sort of a long standing trope in horror fiction of this idea of the thing that looks like it's human but it's actually not whether that thing Mm -hmm. is a machine whether it is a corpse that has been reanimated whether it's you know a pod person so some some alien creature that's taken over the body of a human um and so usually in those stories that thing is the predator it is the thing that is um you know it's it's the movie monster that needs to be destroyed at the end and it is that way in this movie for part of it <laughs> for the first half but then as she goes on and decides to you know wants to explore this idea of whether humanity is is something that is possible to her then the tables become turned then all of a sudden humanity becomes the the monster and she becomes the the prey the victim mhm yeah i yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so do you have anything else that you want to discuss or cover with this, Geneva? Or can we move on to some mm. critical stuff? Just that all the shots of Edinburgh and the, the Highlands, mm. the Bothy made me really nostalgic and miss Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Th- the first time I saw this movie, I'd never been to Scotland. And then watching it this time around, the first time she was in the car, I was like, wait, is that Edinburgh? I think I've been there. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, yeah, <laughs> yeah that is Edinburgh. <laughs> Once I heard the men talking, I was like, yep, yep, this is definitely Edinburgh because I yeah. can't understand anything they're saying. When she's riding um, in the bus and the bus driver is asking her about her code, I was like, yep, that's a Scottish bus driver right there. Her, her asking for directions, I'm gonna be like, go right, go. Blah, blah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I would if I asked for directions in Scotland, I would get nowhere because I can't understand anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. So moving forward a little bit. Um, so I mentioned in the beginning that this movie, even though it received a lot of critical acclaim, it didn't really receive much in terms of awards. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nominated for a few BAFTAs. Um, I think it was nominated for like Best British Film and Best Original Score. I don't think it won either of them. Um, but aside from that and some festivals, it didn't really receive much like, you know, huge um, notoriety, but that's okay because critics loved it and it, you know, it's still loved to this day and very highly appreciated. So that's good. Um, I pulled three reviews that I'll read real quick. Um, this first name is so German. <laughs> like I can't, at least I think it's German. Matt Zoller Seitz. Oh yeah. Seitz. Matt Zoller Seitz is how I always pronounce it. I, he's a, I follow him on Twitter. He's a really great critic. Is he actually German? Cause his name sounds very German. Uh, no, he's American. I oh, mean, well, he could be of German descent. I don't know, but he's American. Okay, maybe I just think of it because from *Inglorious Bastards* is Friedrich Zola. How, <laughs> I don't speak German. I mean, I it, it looks it German right, to me. Yeah. Anyway, so he writes from RogerEbert.com. He says, a brilliant science fiction movie, more of an experience than a traditional story, with plenty to say about gender roles, sexism, and the power of lust? Question mm-hmm. mark. Which I yeah. What's the is- question mark there for? I don't know. I have to read the rest of the article, which I didn't do. (laughs) I I really need to stop leaving my prep till like 30 minutes before the podcast recording. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Keep going. Okay. So the next one is from Joe Morgenstern at the Wall Street Journal. And he writes, much of this is fascinating as far as it goes, but it wouldn't go as far as it does into drama were it not for Miss Johansson's wonderfully strange performance which I think is very accurate. I think yeah. that had she not performed this as well as she did, this movie would have been very boring and not mm-hmm. as interesting. Um, yeah. And then the last one I pulled is uh, from someone named Ty Burr at the Boston Globe. And they say, what's under the film's surface is intriguing enough, but it's the surface itself that holds you in a dark trance, a portrait of alienation filmed from the alien's point of view. Or is it just a woman's? The movies of the movies a cinematic Rubik's cube that snaps together surprisingly easily, yet whose larger meanings remain tantalizingly out of reach. Um, I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. as well. Um, but so yeah, just to kind of close out yeah. with my Wait, final thoughts. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. just because we were we were talking about, it, I found the the review from um, Matt Zoller's sites, and so I'll just read the the paragraph to put the question mark in context. It says is under the skin in which Scarlett Johansson plays a mysterious woman luring men into a fatal mating dance, a brilliant science fiction movie, more of an experience than a traditional story with plenty to say about gender roles, sexism, and the power of lust? Is it a pretentious gloss on a very old story about men's fear of women and women's discomfort with their own allure? Does it contain mysteries that can only be unpacked with repeat viewings? Or is it a shallow film whose self-assured style whose assured style and eerie tone make it seem deeper than it is. Is there, in fact, something beneath the movie's skin? Why is every sentence in this paragraph a question? <laughs> and then he <laughs> goes on. It's a fo- review. Yeah. And then he goes, it's a four-star review. So, you know, he goes on to, to compliment the movie. But I just thought that was kind of funny. Thank you for adding that context. That's actually, I should have mm-hmm. looked up that article because that whole paragraph that you just read is great. Mm-hmm. He's um, a good writer. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like my my final thoughts about this film, if it's not clear, I love this movie. I think it's very good. Um, I 
yeah, I mean, like I said, the part of this movie that really stuck with me the first time is just that opening sequence. Um, and I think that's still true, but I'm also going to add to that, that sequence, um, under the, under the liquid where we have that guy deflating and just like, I just, good gracious, that scene is horrifying, but it's so, especially if you watch it right before you go to bed, which I did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's just so incredible to look at. Like you can't keep your eyes off of it, even Mm -hmm. though you want to look away because it's so freaky. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the things that I will, uh, that are just going to stay in my mind going forward. What about you, Geneva? We know the, the baby is the one baby. Of them. I'm yeah. going to try to block it out of my brain. So I don't remember that. Yeah. I think um, that's a good, <laughs> good plan. Yeah. And like I said, that, um, that shot of the, in, in the house with the, uh, Scarlett Johansson's character walking straight while the man is, is walking into the the black liquid is also a, a shot that's going to stay with me for a very long time. Yeah, I'm so excited, so glad that I finally watched this, and I, I can't wait to watch it again because hearing your insights from having watched it a couple times were definitely helped me pick up on a few things that I had missed. And yeah, I will look forward to seeing it again and, and catching hopefully even more of the the layers the second time around. Yeah, it's it's definitely a movie that I think merits a, a rewatch. Um, also, in your rewatch or just rewatch this scene, I would encourage you to go back and watch that first scene of her luring that guy into the water because that first look that she gives when she turns around to look at him over her shoulder, the facial expression that Scarlett Johansson has is so incredible. Mm-hmm. It, it's just... It, it, it's a it's amazing it it it's so predatorial predatory whatever mm. however you say it like it's so it, it's amazing I would just encourage you to go back and and watch that like one expression in that first scene there um but anyway yeah so this uh concludes our discussion of under the skin this was a really fun episode for me I I love this movie and there's so much to talk about so thanks for breaking it down with me um but yeah. So on that note, uh, Geneva, can you share with us what we will be discussing next week? Next week? I'm so excited. Next week, we're talking about one of my favorite movies from 2016. It's called Everybody Wants Some, directed by Richard Linklater. And it's just a good time. It's a forgotten gem. A lot of people haven't seen it. It's really stinking yeah, good. Yeah. It did not make as much of a, a big of a splash as at the time as it did i mean i didn't see it until a couple years after but i think people are starting to discover it and um, oh really okay yeah i've I've seen it um talked about more and more which i hope that continues i hope that continues too it's it's i mean i guess we're both showing our hands it's a great movie (laughs) glad richard linklater is also one of my favorite directors so um yeah he's amazing anyway but yeah, so. next week we will talk about next week we will be talking about everybody wants some. So come back and uh join us then. Ready to party. Bye everybody. Bye. <laughs> Try not to get kidnapped and uh, submerged by any aliens. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com. Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton, and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time.